I want you over the next 30 days, and I, and me, myself included, because I asked the question, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 57 of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie, and with me as always, the good time player man, ready to broadcast at a platinum level, Dr. Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, how the hell are you? Oh man, I'm fantastic. I've got a good energy level today, which is always exciting. And uh, yeah, it's always good to talk to you. So how are you doing, bud? Doing fantastic. Um, Had another round of uh, events with the good people and not-so-good people at Hewlett-Packard. And now, because <laughs> my new repaired computer died an inglorious death over the weekend, yeah. and um, I'm going to write about that on a blog because I may end up saying some words on the podcast that are just not even rated R. <laughs> so we're just going to move on from that. I've ordered a new computer from Dell, and I can't wait to get that fine, fine product. <laughs> yeah, man, I feel bad for you, brother. That's uh, that's, that's okay. That's, that's, hey, hey, do you know who else has fine products, Kirby? And, and great customer service. Not uh, oh, for days. Yeah, it's the good. It's the good people. At Bam Bams. Yes. Right. They are absolutely everybody's partner for domestic rush production of apparel, apparel accessories, and custom sourcing. So if you're interested in working with people who care, and I can tell you there's a lot of people at Hewlett Packard that don't care. (laughs) But if you're looking to partner with people who do care, who absolutely care deeply about your success and making sure you look good in front of your client, absolutely go to bambams.com, make it happen fast. They will absolutely take care of you. They will value your relationship, and they're going to do everything in their power to make you look good. I love it. That's good stuff, man. It is. So I'm ready to jump into this thing. We're ready to broadcast at a platinum level. As always, Kirby, I want to thank you for having the courage to do this podcast with me. Yes, sir. Are you ready to go? I am ready. Do you have a topic, or do you want me to go? I I do, and I'm going to start my topic with a little hint. I want to talk about brand rebuilding. Are you oh. ready? Oh, okay. All right. I like it. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> Man, sound that, effects, right? Yeah, we have sound effects. <laughs> we, I'm telling you, we're recording at a platinum level today. <laughs> um, that is the Old Spice theme song. Yeah, and I was thinking about rebuilding a brand because one of the things we're we're doing here at Promo Corners we're rebuild we're we're looking to change some of our branding and that'll that'll come out in the next four to five weeks. I'm pretty really excited about that redoing the website, and it got me to thinking of brands that I remember growing up and if they've survived, how did they survive? How did they uh, adapt? How did they acclimate? And the one that came to mind was Old Spice. Now I remember Old Spice as a kid, mm-hmm. and I remember the commercials of some longshoreman coming off of a <laughs> boat and you know it was a cologne and it was like old people smell yeah right right and they have completely flipped the script in old spice which used to be looked at as this old fuddy-duddy scent has now become one of the coolest things my kids love old spice and there's all sorts of different uh different uh smells and flavors and textures and all this stuff and it's become cool again 
Yeah. And I think he even touched on it last week about their commercials when we were talking about KFC yeah. and, and how they had uh, done some uh, promotional products work. But I'm talking more about brand rebuilding. <clears throat> so I, I haven't studied it much, but clearly they had some internal discussions that they needed to shift how their brand was perceived in their chosen marketplace. Mm -hmm. So when I think of a brand that has rebuilt itself, I really think of Old Spice. Now, do you have a brand that comes to mind when you think about a brand rebuilding? And it can be in in our industry, it can be outside of our industry, because it's one of those things we all need to do every, probably, I always recommend every two to five years, is look at your own brand Mm -hmm. and look at the target audience you're trying to reach to make sure that those things are actually in, in sync. So what what do you think about when I think uh, when I bring up brand rebuilding? Yeah, so I, I, dude, Old Spice is the like the best. That is the great uh, example of it because you're right. And and not only did they do it internally, but clearly they they spent the the time and said they they gave the keys to the brand to some very creative people, whether it was ad agency or whatever, because they. They, they went, as you said, 180 degrees in a different direction from a marketing perspective. Um, another, I guess, the, the one that comes to mind for me um, is actually in the industry. Um, I think of um, our, our good pals at Halo. Um, okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Halo was one of the top of the heap uh, companies in our industry for a while and then, you know, went through a pretty ugly bankruptcy. And, um, you know, honestly, the Halo name, and this is no disrespect to anybody, but it kind of went away and had a little bit of a bad connotation. Um, Lee Wayne, you know, was affiliated and they took the forefront. And then really over time, Halo built themselves back up to, you know, obviously they're the, they're one of the premier brands in the promotional products industry again. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the ones that pops into my head is I feel like they've really risen, risen like a phoenix. Uh, like a <laughs> phoenix from the ashes, yeah. and you know, it's it, it's it's an interesting one you bring up. Obviously, I didn't know what you were going to bring up. Didn't mm. even know if you'd have one at the t- at the cusp of your lips. <laughs> um, but uh, I was there yeah. dur- during that. I joined Halo about nine months before the bankruptcy, mm-hmm. and stayed there for about seven and a half years after uh, the bankruptcy filing, and then the subsequent uh, emergence from that bankruptcy. And there were a lot of discussions. I remember at the time. What value was there in the Halo name? Right, because you know, obviously, a lot of people got burned. They yeah. uh, and, and they felt burned by the the irresponsible previous management that that caused the company to go into bankruptcy. And and then you add the fact that a lot of people just frankly don't understand corporate bankruptcy law. You're right, and and so things like uh, every you know every payment that was paid to Halo. In the 90 days preceding the actual bankruptcy filing mm-hmm. was called uh, an area of preference. So what happens during the bankruptcy is all the money that was paid to Halo in the 90 days prior to that bankruptcy filing has to be uh, has to be returned by the people who got burned. They have to mm-hmm. return that to the estate for redistribution. Because And the thought behind it is um, that there might have been preferential treatment given to certain suppliers or certain vendors and so on and so forth. So you, you, when you're removed from it, you can see the logic behind it. But boy, in the moment, that pisses people off. <laughs> yeah. And so we talked about, you know, do we keep the Halo name or do we go with Lee Wayne? And ultimately, I, I, I was part of the decision, definitely. Um, we decided to keep the Halo name, that yeah. it was a, an important name uh, that had value. And more importantly, 
Mark Simon, who was was quite a visionary and still is, but very much a visionary at that time, he knew that he would be able to lead the company out of bankruptcy and and firmly believed that that name had value. And so I think they did the right thing um, by keeping that that name. I, I always loved the uh, good people at Lee Wayne, mm-hmm. but I always hated the name right. um, because Lee Wayne Corporation could be a plumbing company. <laughs> it could be you know, an architecture firm. It could be a million other things. It doesn't speak to what we do, and that goes against everything I believe in branding. So that's a really good example. Yeah, and that's what's really interesting, what's interesting too, though, is that Old Spice did it. And gosh, I don't know the uh, the background around Old Spice, but I feel like they did it without the major controversy. They just made a conscious decision from the outside, uh, looking at it, that they're like, okay, we need to change who we are and how we're perceived in the marketplace. And the idea of how they've done that is, it's pretty cool, actually, to see it. It, it really is, and you know, it's it's one of those things. What's old is new again, and. You know, another one I thought of is I remember when I was a small kid, Puma was a very big deal, and then mm. it kind of disappeared, went away, and now Puma's back to being a big deal. Mm, so, yeah. everything is cyclical. I mean, that's one of those things. As we age, um, you find out that everything really is cyclical. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good topic, though. I like that one. Awesome, Kirby. What do you got? Okay, so um, I'm trying to stick a little. Last time we were doing the podcast, I was kind of all over the place, so I want to stick a little bit closer to the industry this time. Um, so each year, um, my company does an end user show. Um, we've done it for, gosh, 10 years now. And, right. You know, you're always trying to make it better and we do themes and we have food and all the, all the stuff that you would expect. Right. Um, so I would be curious to know, um, I'm sure you've been affiliated with some end user shows, <laughs> seen them. I have. Yeah. So what are some things that you think of that kind of are some best practices or some tips that you can think of in making an end user show successful? Do you have that's any a, thoughts? That's on a that? good question. Yeah. Well, I'm going to create some. Okay, <laughs> and, and I have some thoughts too. But but I again, I'll I didn't go. know if there, you had any. That you I'll wanted. go. Okay. I, I think the the thing you need to do is make it fun, mm-hmm. and and that's a very generic comment, and I don't mean it to be. Right. Um, I think you need to make it fun because. Most people's jobs suck. <laughs> well, yeah, I agree with that. Um, most people's jobs really suck. And so you get them out of their office and you give them an environment to enjoy our industry. You know, we get jaded by our industry yeah. very easily, right? We've, we've all been to a million trade shows and I've seen, you know, every new product is the same product it was last year, but now it has a blinky light. <laughs> um so our, we, we don't look at it with the fresh eyes of our clients. And to them, it's like going on a shopping spree, and they really enjoy that experience. I think the the one thing I would always recommend at an end user show, if possible, you can almost slot people by appointments so that they can walk around with a salesperson guiding them. Mm-hmm. So a salesperson from Hassman Marketing, for example, mm-hmm. because it it – it is overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, if we all remember our first trade show, it is over freaking whelming, and there's so much stuff. And by taking a taking your client around and saying, "Here's one of the suppliers I wanted you to see," and because they're great, they do this, whatever, whatever it is, it gives you an opportunity to tell a story and really connect and have a dialogue with your client. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides having a fun theme, which I know you you do every year, you've had the Hassaman Hoedown and you've had, uh, you know, the Kashokton Crunch or whatever the hell it is. But yeah. you do have a you do have a fun theme every year. Um, I don't know what the Kashokton Crunch would be, but yeah. I'm very interested. But you now. love alliteration, I know. I I do love the alliteration. Um, uh, but I think by making sh- as much as you can, walking around with the clients, 
helps them really get more out of that event. Yeah, I, I think that's a great piece of advice. It's one of the things I'm challenged with. Um, we do it here in Coshocton, and as you might expect, um, the turnout is usually pretty good, so it's hard sure. to walk the entire thing with every client. Um, but it is my, you know, I, I think we're on the same page because my goal is to shake every single person's hand that comes through and, and make sure that I'm, whether they're specifically, um, I'm using quotation marks that you can't see, uh, my client or not, um, I, I try to make sure that that uh, they do hear me say thank you. Um, right. I think that's a big piece. And then one of the things we always try to do is go, look, we want to show our clients how to do an event. And so everything about how we do it, we structure it in a way that if they watch what we do and then they they do what you know what we're showing them, then they will have a successful event. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And anytime you have an opportunity to express gratitude, if you don't take it, you're at least two tacos short of a combo platter. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, I know that's that's a fantastic one. That's a great one. Well, cool. Good topic. All right. What's next? Um, okay. So I was I, I read Advertising Age on occasion because mm-hmm. um, I find some of the articles there very interesting. And this is one that really grabbed my attention. Okay. Uh, so Diageo, which is one of the largest importers of, of spirits and, and alcohol in the United States. They used to be called the Guinness Bass Import Company a long time ago. But they have such brands like Smirnoff and uh, a few other ones that don't come top of mind. But they're, they're huge. Okay. Uh, Ciroc Vodka, Johnny Walker. Uh, Don Julio Tequila, but you get you get the point. Sure. So he is uh, this the chief. This is the guy who uh, they're talking about in this article is the chief marketing officer of Diageo, and he had sat through so many meetings internally that used PowerPoint, mm. and he was like, he has banned PowerPoint because he wants to open up a dialogue. And then as I read the article, something really interesting hit me. Because um, he really wants to strike a, a, a chord of innovation. He really wants people to innovate. and doesn't feel like everybody's been innovating because they've been so surrounded by bureaucracy. And I think we all feel that from time to time, whether you work in a large company or small company. Mm-hmm. So he's asked every brand leader to earmark 5% of their budget mm-hmm. for marketing experimentation. Hmm. And his quote, which I love, as long as they learn, they can fail as much as you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can fail as much as they like. So as long as they learn, they can fail as much as they like. So my question to you is, what can you do in your organization to kind of strip away those layers of bureaucracy and kind of kind of cultivate that that culture of innovation we all talk about it sure. but it's something that's somewhat elusive I think for a lot of us and I can answer my own question if you want to think about it no I, I actually think I can go uh, go so I, really what it is a challenge right because I think everybody um, has a little bit of a fear of failure and I think that w- the way that I that is something I think about I guess that's the reason I can answer the question pretty quickly is that I think this is a leadership, a top-down thing. I show the team on a regular basis that I'm willing to try things and see how it works out with the idea that it's quite likely that it's a 60% chance of failure. Hey, let's try this and see how it goes and see what we can learn from it. And I think 
that's one of those things that you can tell people a million times. But if you show them that you're willing to do that and have them be a part of the process, and so that, in other words, hey, you and I are going to try this experiment, and it could mm -hmm. suck. <laughs> and yep. nobody's going to get beat up over it. We're going to have a conversation afterwards and go, oh, that didn't work at all. But, yeah. but maybe we could try this other thing. And I think at, at, at a small organization, and ours is pretty small, that's, that's how – I believe we try to instill that is to say it's top down. You're going to see me fail. I'm right. going to show you that it's okay. And so that's how that's how I kind of go about it. That's a great one. Um, that's really great. It's interesting. We had uh, we had a team meeting today at Promo Corner, and what I've tried to do because here's the challenge I have, and, mm -hmm. and I think you have this challenge a little bit too, and I think a lot of our listeners have it. My team is all over the place sure. in terms of physical location. Yeah. I'm here in Nashville. I've got team members in um, New Jersey, and I've got quite a few team members in Mem in uh, not Memphis, in Massachusetts. Okay. And so it's very hard for us to to have that um, culture of of being together. Yeah. And you want to foster that. And so we have a, a monthly Google Hangout video where we get to see each other, and we should, uh, you know, we can see how each other and really, really react to each other, which is important. But one of the things I did today in in our meeting was, I want you over the next thirty days, and I and meet myself included, because I asked the question, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Mm. And I want people to absolutely get in the habit of doing things differently. And I want them to figure out what have they, and I, I've made it focused on business. I, I you know, per, personal stuff's great, but I really want to talk about what can you do in your job differently? What one thing can you try to do differently that you've either never done before or at the very least haven't done in a hell of a long time? Right. That you can do differently that'll either make you more efficient, it'll make it make uh, your, your job easier, it'll make the company more money, whatever it is, mm -hmm. what can you do differently? What have, well, what can you do different than you always do? Yeah. No, it's a great, and it, it, I, I think that it's funny because I think, Bill, some of that, that comes natural to some people, right? Right. Like, like I, I think literally when I have a lull, in my schedule, which you know how that goes, you, you grab right. you grab something, you're like, I literally that's what I think of. I'm like, well, what could I do right this second that would be right. totally different? Well, other people that doesn't come as natural to. So I love the fact that you're kind of pushing that and kind of in you know, not only giving them permission but almost saying, hey, this is a mandated. You need to try new shit. A absolutely, because if we don't try new stuff, we continue doing the same things we've done. Because we're human beings and we're creatures of habit. Yeah, that's why sure. that's why people sit in the same chair every day after the first day of school until they're told <laughs> they can't. Yeah, right. Um, so we, you have to shake that up a little bit. So yeah, I like it. Good. Like it. You got another topic? I do. This is kind of weird. Um, so and, and it's very topical. Um, there's a, apparently a, a company in Wisconsin that. Is a actually, actually, Kirby, there's a lot of companies in Wisconsin. <laughs> there, well, there's a couple. Oh. <laughs> and uh, they're a technology-based company. And apparently they are encouraging or giving permission uh, for their employees to uh, insert a microchip into their hands. It's between their, their thumb and their forefinger. And it's RFID technology that they can check into work. They can make purchases in the break room. So they're actually implanting technology into the body of their employees. Um, this is not BS. I've, I've looked it up. Um, and I was when I first thought, saw it, I'm like, oh, this isn't real. 
but the more I dug into it, I'm like, oh no, actually this is this is a real thing. And so, A, I guess I didn't know if you'd seen that, and, and then B, what's your first reaction to something like that? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I saw it this morning while I was working out on, on the TV that uh, after I got done with the elliptical when I kind of paid attention to what was going on, I didn't listen to it, but I could you know yep. gather enough from it. My first response was a very visceral, oh, hell no. Yeah, exactly. Um, for a variety of reasons. I, I didn't hear the reason why the company was doing it. My guess, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, would be some sort of bullshit of efficiency and we want to make things easier for our, our associates and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I don't want people tracking me that much. I feel like we're tracked all over the place as it is. There's cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you go outside and don't assume you're being watched, you're, you're being foolish. But, you know, the one that caught me was, oh, they can use it to make purchases from the company vending machine. Well, I started doing some math on that. Okay, so they see that I go get a bag of Cheetos every day, and they report that to their health insurance company, and my premiums go up. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's that far of a stretch, to be honest with you. You know, people, there's a reason they're doing it, and usually it's financial. Mm -hmm. And I I I can't tell you I figured out why they would do it and how it's going to save the company money. Um, and maybe you can elaborate on it because you saw the the, the actual uh, story or, or at least read an article about it. And I just saw a few pictures of it and I'm like, absolutely no. Yeah. So it's funny because my reaction was visceral as well. Oh, my God. You know, and I think everybody, it's so funny. Everybody who posts anything about it says, hell no, there's no way I would do that. Right. It's interesting, though, because I'm going to push back to say how many people said, oh, hell no. I'm never going to get on Facebook. Oh, hell no. I'm never going to use my phone to pay for stuff. I'm never going to turn on the tracking on my phone so people can... Like, there are so many things. Whenever technology updates, I think our reaction is similar. Now, I think this is a little different because it's implanting it in my body. But it is... I'm trying to fight that visceral visceral reaction because I'm like, boy, we a lot of us say, oh, never. And then, you know... Three years later, it's it's the norm. Right. I wouldn't say never. I just don't understand why I would want to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and it, so. so this is a technology company that I think they're kind of saying, look, it's coming. So we're just going to be on the forefront of it. So well, it's, it's, it's just I'm interesting. Wrong. It's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so quick, quick one to wrap up today. Yep. Um, baseball, Major League Baseball. Um, has gotten a little persnickety with the Overwatch League. Are you familiar with the Overwatch League? I am not. I don't. Of course you're not, because <laughs> because it's an esports league, which means it's a video game league, and they're going to open up several franchises here in the United States. Don't ask me how it works. Okay. I have no idea. But their logo, claimed by Major League Baseball, is too similar to Major League Baseball's logo. Okay. Um. And my first thought was, well, haven't you seen the NBA logo? But that's okay. <laughs> so the Overwatch logo, it, it's got a silhouette of a, of a person, um, and one side is orange and the other side is black. So really does not look like the Major League Baseball logo, okay. in my opinion. And then I noticed that the College of Eastern Idaho, which is a community college in, are you ready for this? Eastern Idaho. Okay. They unveiled a logo that is a dead ringer. 
for the Adidas logo. Really? I mean, dead ringer. And Adidas is probably going to sue. So how far would you go to protect your brand and logo? And I probably should have saved this for next week because we're almost out of time. But how far would you go to protect your brand and logo? Oh, man. That is a really – like Major League Baseball doesn't have a lot of credibility with me. So, I mean, you just got to take that into consideration. But if it's a dead ringer, you know, I mean, our, our big thing is the Circle H, right? Yeah. Um, boy, that is a super interesting question because well, and it know, was, it's, it, it's part it was, of what we are. Right. It was the College of Eastern Idaho that has the dead ringer for Adidas. Yeah. The one, the baseball one, they're just persnickety. But the, the, co- the college is dead ringer. I mean, it's exact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know. Luckily, I want to knock on wood. I haven't had to do this, but yeah, right. I guess I, I, I guess I would probably take it to the mat. I, I would too. You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're in the process of, of redoing our, our logo. It's done. We just haven't unveiled it yet here at Promo Corner, mm-hmm. and I'd fight tooth and nail, yeah, to to protect that logo because it's it's an extension of our brand. It's an extension of who we are, and and the logo is that representation of the brand that gives people the emotions. Yeah. They feel when they see it, right? You want people to see the Hassaman marketing logo and feel good about what they're purchasing. I want people to see the Promo Corner logo and feel good about the services we provide. And I know Bam Bams wants people to look at their logo yes, and feel really good about the services they provide because I'll tell you what – People should because they are the preeminent partner for domestic rush production of apparel, apparel accessories, and custom sourcing. And most importantly, Kirby, man, they care. They are good human beings that value relationships above everything else, and they are going to do everything they can to make you look good. I'm going to use your term here. They're going to take it to the mat, and they are going to make you look good in front of your clients. So please consider visiting them at bambams.com. Make it happen fast. And speaking of fast, this little podcast went by fast today. It did, and that was a platinum level transition right there. Thank you. That was a, <laughs> uh, that was a pivot point extraordinaire by Petrie. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. All right. Kirby, great to talk to you as always, and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.